Thanks for listening to Walking by Faith. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. How relevant is the Bible really? It's full of stories from thousands of years ago. Can you really apply that to your life? Today, Pastors Duane and Al will be sitting down to discuss just that. Let's jump right into today's message, The Infallible Word of God. Well, I'm really excited today uh, Mm -hmm. because today is a little different. Uh, What we're going to hear today is a lot of questions from people who Mm -hmm. uh, they're trying to learn how to walk by faith. And so their questions are, how do I take this, this question I have and approach it with a biblical perspective and walk by faith? And the first question is one that I think a lot of Christians may, may struggle with. And that is, it's about cremation. Okay. Um, and here's the question. Uh, we have faith that Jesus is returning, and when he comes back, that the dead in Christ will rise and join him. What does the Bible say about cremation? And will those Christians who have been cremated, rise again? Well, that's a great question. It's really a great question. And the Bible says a lot about the subject of cremation. It does. It does. Uh, Literally going back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us that Abraham's the father of our faith, and we're to imitate the faith of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Above all, that would mean Abraham. So when Abraham's wife, Sarah, dies... The Bible says he goes to the sons of Heth and he says, sell me a burial place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Okay, so Abraham buried Sarah. And I think it's really interesting that the Bible says he grieves, then he buries, and then afterwards the Bible says that he remarries. Now, he's over 100 years old, but he remarries. And he keeps on living. You know, a lot of people, when someone dies, they let that, they, 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 they stop living, mm-hmm. you know, and grief literally can kill. There's a, there's a godly uh, time of grieving and sorrowing because we're not going to see that person for a while, but we are going to see that person again. And so Abraham, he's just a great example. He does mourn and grieve for his wife. He buries his wife, but then he keeps on living. So first of all, we see that Abraham buried his wife. Um, when Moses died, the Bible says that God buried Moses on Mount Nebo. Right? Um, God could have done anything with Moses, but he shows us what we're supposed to do, and he buried Moses. Then we have Jesus, and it is the death, burial, and resurrection that is the gospel. After Jesus... We have Stephen, who's martyred, and the Bible says that godly men, they take him and they bury him. Now, the result of that is this, that all through the centuries, Christians have buried their dead. The year 300, the Roman Empire is pagan. One percent of people at that point are buried. The rest are cremated. A hundred years later, by the year 400, when the Roman Empire has been Christianized, right, they've got a Christian worldview, 1% of people are cremated and the rest are buried. So, biblically, if you look, you have this as history 
what has happened. It's particularly what God did with Moses. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says it's a physical body when we put it in the ground. All right. So we're burying the body and it's raised a spiritual body. So what it's telling us is this as an act of faith. All right. As a Christian, you should bury the body looking to the resurrection. In fact, it's interesting in, in America when we bury somebody, all right, their head is always facing the west. Their feet are always facing the east because the Bible says that Jesus is going to appear in the eastern sky. So literally you pop up and like, Jesus, here I am. Um, so what has happened particularly in the last maybe 70 years in America, we've moved very, very far from Christian influence on our culture. Right? And cremation has become um, pretty much about 50% of people today are cremated. Now, somebody says, does that present a problem to God? It does not. Whether you're, you're uh, eaten by a shark, whether you're cremated, whether you're buried, it's not going to produce a problem for God. How God is going to raise the body, I don't know. Does God take in a cell and he's going to clone you or what he's going to do? I don't know. But, but God literally spoke and said, let there be light. And our universe leaped into existence. He's not going to have a problem resurrecting somebody. So if someone's been cremated and they're a Christian or they're not a Christian, it really doesn't matter because everybody's going to be raised, some to life and some literally to torment. Mm-hmm. But everybody's going to be raised. And the, the thing about uh, cremation versus uh, burial is the Bible tells us is an act of faith. Bury the body, hmm. looking to the resurrection. If someone was not uh, buried, they were cremated, it's not a problem for God. They're going to be raised anyway. right? So um, when somebody says to me, what should I do? I say, as an act of faith, I believe you should be buried. But if somebody's cremated, it's not a problem. God's going to raise them up on the last day, no matter what. Wow, that really clears it up. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure that's going to help uh, the person who asked this question. I I got another one for you. Uh, (laughs) Of course. uh, We knew or we know that that God is love. Mm -hmm. In uh, in the Old Testament, his actions don't seem very loving. In fact, they seem kind of mean. Why does God, who is love, act in ways in the Old Testament that seem so harsh? Okay. Well, one of the things that that, uh, people think today is they think, well, God's love, God's love, God's love. He is love. But he's also just and he's also righteous. Right? So we look in the Old Testament, and for example, it says in Isaiah 59, it says, your iniquities have separated you from God. and And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. That's Old Testament. In, in, in the Old Testament, God judged sin. He judged sin. But that's why Jesus came. And so in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, it says this. God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer holding men's sins against them, but blotting them out. Jesus came to pay for sin. And Jesus did exactly that. He paid for people's sins. So in the Old Testament, your sins separated you from God. Mm. All right? But now your sins have been paid for. 
Right? So now the wrath of God is not on you. In fact, um, twice in the book of Thessalonians, it mentions that, that we're waiting for our Savior, Jesus from heaven, who saves us from the wrath that is to come. Now, there's going to be a time when God says, all right. Uh, in fact, you look in the book of Revelation and you see that the wrath of God is poured out again. right? But that's after he has taken the church out of the way. Right now, God is not holding anyone's sins against them. He has blotted them out. And as it says here, this is the wonderful message that we have to tell other people. Um, the Old Testament is just that. It's old. All right? It's passed away. Um, in fact, the purpose of the Old Testament, the, the law that we find there, was not to make us righteous. In fact, the Bible says that the law was given so sin would increase. Or in other words, that we would know that we were sinners. It says in Hebrews 10 and verse 9 that he takes away the first. That's the Old Testament. He takes it away. It's gone. That he may establish the second. The second is the New Testament. The New Testament is Jesus went to the cross. He paid for your sin. And God is not holding your sins against you. You can come to God. You can get right with God. Uh, the devil will tell you, well, you did this, you did that. You've gone too far. You've done too much. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell, right? Uh, God judged your sin at the cross. Jesus bore your sin. He paid a debt he didn't owe because you owed a debt you could not pay. Mm -hmm. And God is not holding your sins against you. He is not mad. Now, in the Old Testament, sin was not paid for. And God judged sin. But at the cross, sin was judged. Wow. Um, that was a lot. Yeah. And, and just one more verse. Romans 3.20 says that no one has ever been made right with God by obeying the law or by being a good person. The law was never given so that you could say, I did all the right things and I didn't do all the wrong things, so I'm right with God. It's the exact opposite. It was given so you would know you're a sinner and you need a savior. Jesus tells the story about two men who went to the temple. One was a Pharisee. And he went and he said, God, I thank you. I'm not like other people, like this tax collector over there. You know, I'm not a fornicator. Uh, I don't steal. I don't cheat. In fact, I, I fast twice a week. I tithe on everything that I get. And then there was another man. He went over in a corner, and Jesus said he just hit his chest. Now, not as some form of penance, but just in sincerity. And, and, and he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man, not the other, went to his house justified. One was relying on his good works. I did this, and I didn't do that. I'm a good person. And the other was relying on God's mercy. In fact, the Bible, the King James says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Other translations say, be propitiate or be a mercy seat to me. And the mercy seat is where the blood was put. And the Bible says that Jesus took his blood, went to the tabernacle in heaven, and put his blood on the mercy seat. 
You know, and when our confidence is not in what we've done, but it's in the fact that Jesus shed his blood and paid for our sin so that God is no longer holding our sins against us. And that's true about everybody. But the, the thing is, you have to receive what he's done for you. That's why the Bible says, to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. He paid for everybody's sin. But it, it, it would be like if somebody put a million dollars in your bank account, but you never went and collected it. Mm-hmm. You know, for it to do you any good, you've got to go and you have to receive it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true with Jesus. In fact, what I'd like to do right now, uh, this was surely not planned, but if you've been trying to earn your salvation, you don't know where you are with God. You say, well, I, I hope I'm a Christian, but I'm not sure. I want to pray a prayer with you. I want to invite you to pray this prayer from your heart. Uh, and if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you are going to be right with God. Mm. All right. Uh, the Bible tells us that whosoever, and that's you, will call on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Right? And we're going to call on his name the way the Bible tells us to, which is understanding and receiving what Jesus did for us and receiving him as our Lord. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. Make these words your own. Just pray this out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. And I believe his blood paid for my sin. And I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I turn my back on my old life. I'm not living for myself any longer. I'm living for Jesus. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer and that I am forgiven and I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, you are right with God today, mm. right now. If I was to summarize what just happened, the question seems like what they're asking is, why is God different in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament? And what I think you just said was, God has not changed. <laughs> but that judgment of God was really put on Jesus. It was put on Jesus. And so in the New Testament, we see a God whose judgment has been fulfilled. Correct. Through the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that blood has no value to anyone until they accept it. Correct. So for those that just made a Mm -hmm. decision, they may, they've accepted what the blood of Jesus did for them. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. And it's in, I think it's Romans 3, where it says God justified that he, in, in the past, in the Old Testament, he, he covered people's sins. But the Bible tells about then Jesus coming, that God could be just and the justifier. So he had to be just. Sin had to be paid for. It had to be paid for. Because God's not just love. And that's where all the sacrifices were in the Old Testament. They were just saying, someday I believe that a real sacrifice, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, is going to come. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just celebrating with those who made a decision there. Um, Here's another question. Um, Is it possible for Satan and demons to repent and receive forgiveness? The answer is no, but I'm going to explain why. Okay. It's in Hebrews chapter 2 and um, verse 14 that it says, Inasmuch as the children, that's you and me, the people, partook of flesh and blood, 
He himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same. So Jesus came in a flesh and blood body, just like you have, just like I have, all right? That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So Jesus came in a flesh and blood body that could die, all right? To redeem you and I, Mm -hmm. right? You can only receive what Jesus did for you as long as you live in a flesh and blood body, Mm. okay? Once you die, you're sealed, right? You're either right with God or you're not right with God. One of the Old Testament scriptures that really kind of looks to this is in Ecclesiastes where it says, where a tree falls, there it will lie, whether to the north or to the south. Now, it's not really talking about trees. It's talking about people. When a person dies, they're either right with God or they're not right with God. But Satan does not have a physical body, right? So because he doesn't have a physical body, he cannot receive what Jesus did in a physical flesh and blood body. Okay. So when Adam and Eve sinned, right, they became mortal. They're subject to death. But there's the tree of life. And the Bible says that God put an angel there with a flaming sword. So they would not go and eat of the tree of life and live forever. Because then they would have lived forever as fallen beings. Right? So Satan, because he doesn't have a flesh and blood body, he cannot receive what Jesus did in a flesh and blood body. So even if, even if he would, would, would repent, which he has not and will not, it would not matter because it's Jesus' blood and his death paying for your sin right, that allows you and I to be saved. And because it's impossible for him being a spirit being that does not have a flesh and blood body to receive what Jesus did in a flesh and blood body, he cannot be saved. Our situation is so much better than it is so than, much than better. the demons. And, you know, and um, the fact that we're able to die. I mean, some people think, "Oh, it's terrible! It's terrible!" But I'm I'm so glad that Hitler didn't live forever, and Pol Pot mm. didn't live forever, and Stalin didn't live forever in a in, you know in a fallen state. But what happened through Jesus is the fact that we can be redeemed, we can be raised again in a new eternal body. Awesome. Here's another one. Uh, we accept that God is a redeemer and a reconciler. Yes. So why did he command that entire cities and people groups be completely wiped out? This is more of the Old Testament. Uh, he even commanded that women and, and children be killed. Okay. Now, that's a, the, 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 the part of the answer to that goes to what we've already talked about in, in our talk here about the fact that God was judging sin in the Old Testament, right? Um, but the, the, the people, in fact, you know, 400 years before the children of Israel came to the promised land, God is talking to Abraham, and he says, your, your descendants are going to go there. He said, but it's not going to be for 400 years because their iniquity is not yet complete, hmm. Okay. So they were wicked, but not to the point where God was going to totally destroy them. Right? So these people are worshiping idols. They're sacrificing their children to idols. Their, their sexual practices are so deviant that even still today, we would consider it just, oh my goodness, mm. 
all right? And God said, look, if you go into that land and you leave some of these people, they're going to teach you what they're doing. And, and here's the, it, it's in Exodus chapter 20 that God says that the iniquities of the children are visited, of, of the parents are visited to the children to the third and the fourth generations. These are, are spiritual things that literally pass from one generation to another generation. God says the blessing, he said, it's to a thousand generations. Mm, right? but, but there's a curse that passes to the third and fourth generation. Um, demonic activity in a parent, in a grandparent, even a great-grandparent. It passes to the children, like the, the demonic spirits that are involved in the idol worship and all of the ungodly things. Right? Uh, even a medium today, um, they, they say, you know, you need to be third and fourth generation before you're going to be really strong. I did not know that. Yeah, because it passes from generation to generation. So we've got people here that are doing all sorts of ungodly things. And God says, uh, this is Deuteronomy 18, when you come to the land which the Lord your God has given, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those lands. There shall not be found in among you anyone who makes his daughter, son or daughter pass through the fire. Right? Giving your children to Moloch in fire as a sacrifice, who practices witchcraft, a soothsayer, an interpreter of omens, a sorcerer, a conjurer of spells, a medium, a spiritist, one who calls up the dead, for all these are an abomination to the Lord. Right? These, every one of these things, that they're an abomination, they are, they are demonically motivated. And when a person gives themselves to those things, Right? The demonic spirit is attached to them. Right? And again, uh, in the Old Testament, there was really no way for a person to become free from these demonic influences. When Jesus came and cast out spirits, this is what they said. They said, what new doctrine is this that he even commands evil spirits and they come out? The, all through the Old Testament, never did anyone approach an evil spirit, address that spirit, and cast it out. It wasn't done. Mm. It simply wasn't done. It was a new doctrine. And so we have a land of people that where, where the demonic forces are strong, right? And God says, I don't want you to go there because they're going to influence you. And he says, you intermarry with them? He said, and that demonic influence is going to come on you. It's going to get in the Jewish people, and the Messiah will not be able to come. Mm -hmm. And so God said, the best thing we can do is literally wipe out the entire group of people. And someone might say, well, that was so cruel. But in the end, it was an act of kindness and mercy mm -hmm. to, the, to humanity. All through the Bible, we see how God was present. I mean, there's yeah. people talking to him. Moses talking to him, meeting with him in the tent, and he's very evident. Why is it that in the world today, it just seems like it's so hard to see any evidence that, that he's still working? Okay. Well, well, first I'd say this, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we say we're not seeing evidence, that may be true here in Western culture. Right? But that's not true around the world. 
Um, there are places where the Spirit of God is moving today in a very similar way that he moved all through the Bible and in the New Testament. But I believe the reason is, particularly in Western culture, is because of our unbelief. Mm. Right? We have, uh, we, we, ha we, we doubt so many, many things. When a man came to Jesus and said, you know, deliver my son who has seizures, uh, the man said, well, if you can do anything, you know, help us. And, and Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And the man said, I do believe, but help thou my unbelief. Mm. And when the disciples said, why couldn't we liberate him? He said, because of your unbelief. And uh, we, we tend to, to, to think things through and, well, what if it doesn't happen? And what about this that didn't happen? And, and, and it produces an unbelief. I believe God is moving today the same as he did before. But it's because of our unbelief. Right? In fact, Jesus went to Nazareth. And the Bible says he could there, not he wouldn't. Mark says Jesus could do no mighty work because of their unbelief. And then Jesus gave them two examples in Luke's gospel. He said, well, in the days of Naaman the Syrian, he said, there were many lepers in Israel, but none of them were cleansed, only Naaman. And in the days of Elisha the prophet, when there was a famine for three and a half years, he said, there were a lot of widows they were poor and in need. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to the widow at Seraphath. And what Jesus was saying was this. He said, here in Israel, there was so much unbelief, God could not do mighty things here. It took foreigners to believe God for miracles that God was ready and willing to do. And I believe that in our culture, we have to fight unbelief because it is so strong and it is so prevalent. Mm. Well, that's, that's good. Uh, I, I think about how often in, in the Bible you see that God is, is interacting directly and you're reading, yep. you know, and it's saying that God spoke to him. Yep. Um, do you believe that God is still speaking to people today? And uh, is there a difference between what we read in the Bible because the Bible wasn't written yet for yep. them and, and what we have today? Um, I would say this. In the Old Testament, God spoke a lot through prophets. Mm. Okay, um, He would give people words. Um, the prophets would super... In fact, in, in, at one point they called them seers because they would see visions and they would know things supernaturally. And God used prophets a lot to guide people. Right? But in the New Testament, it's different. The Bible says in Romans 8.14, it says, but as many as are led by the Spirit of God... Mm. They're the sons of God. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon the prophet, the priest, and the king, and nobody else. Right? But today, every believer has the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. So there were things that they did in the Old Testament that we don't do. Uh, for example, in the New Testament, it says, let the peace of God be the umpire in making all of your decisions. But they didn't have that peace of God in the Old Testament like we have. They didn't have the, the full scripture that we have, which also is one of the key ways that God leads us today. Right? But the Holy Spirit leading us. So example, in the Old Testament, um, Gideon goes to God and says, well, I'm not sure if this is really you talking to me or not. So today, let the, I'm going to lay out 
um, a fleece. And let the fleece be wet and let everything underneath it be dry. And that'll mean you're with me. In the morning, the fleece is wet, everything's dry. And he says, wow. He said, God, uh, don't be mad, but tonight (laughs) may the fleece be dry and everything else be wet. Then I'll know. Then I'll know. (laughs) All right. And then that happened, and then God saw he still isn't ready, and he says, now go down and and get by the camp of the enemy, and you're going to hear them say that I'm going to deliver the enemy into your hand. So he was getting fleeces. All right. And in the Old Testament, God did some of those things because they didn't have the Holy Spirit mm. on the inside of them the way that we do. All right. Today, I've seen people put out a fleece and they get fleeced. Ah. All right. Because honestly, uh, when we are looking for a natural sign, natural things can happen. I mean, the devil could slip in and give you a sign. Sure. You know? But when you've got the peace of God, the devil can counterfeit many things, but he can never counterfeit God's peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. So let it be the umpire in making all of your decisions. So there is a difference between how God led people in the Old Testament and how he leads people today in the New Testament. Uh, I remember years ago, a young man came to me and, and he said, he says, uh, I had a man who's a prophet prophesy to me. And he told me that I need to go to Africa and I'll become a great evangelist. Well, the first thing I asked him, I said, well, what are you doing today? He says, well, I don't do anything. I said, well, do you teach in Sunday school or are you doing? No, 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 I'm not doing anything. You know, and the whole, just the idea, if I'm going to get in an airplane and I'm going to take a flight and when I get there, I'm going to be a different person. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to be any different. You're going to be the same person when you get there. All right. Well, he said, should I go? And I said, well, if you do, you should take that person who told you to go with you so you know when to come home. <laughs> <laughs> because we're not supposed to be led by prophets. Right. We're led by the Holy Spirit. Right. In the New Testament, prophecy is a confirmation. For example, in Acts chapter 13, the, 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 the teachers and the prophets in the church, they're, they're ministering to the Lord. And the Bible says, the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I have called them. They knew they were called and the prophecy was a confirmation, right? But in the New Testament, prophecy should never be direction, right? It should only be a confirmation. So it says in uh, Thessalonians, it says, despise not prophesying, prove all things and hold fast that which is good. So somebody prophesies to you today, you need to test that prophecy. You need to prove it. Test it. Is this God? Does it confirm something? Do I have peace? Does it match the word? Does it match the word? Do I have confirmation from other believers? You prove it and you hold fast to what's good. Mm. All right. But you just don't take it as direction from God without proving it and testing that prophecy. Mm. So in a way, God is moving more today absolutely than he did in the Old Testament because he's speaking through the Spirit, yep. through our peace, through the Word, Word to each one of us. Absolutely. And the reason we don't see it is, again, back to unbelief. Yes. Because we say, oh, that was me. Mm-hmm. I came up with that idea. That, and, and we see what the church is doing because God uses the church. Mm-hmm. And we go, oh, God's not moving. Yeah. That's the church. Well, that is God. Yeah, Absolutely. The Bible teaches that God is three parts, and we just kind of talked about that a little bit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Where do we see the Holy Spirit 
or Jesus for that matter in the Old Testament. Well, Jesus is, his types of Jesus are all through the Old Testament. And it's for the Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form, and the Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the deep. I mean, he's been there from the beginning, and he's there until the end. In the Old Testament, Jesus is referred to often as the angel of the Lord. Mm. Okay. And the, the angel of the Lord receives worship, which an angel never would. Okay. So when it's talking about the angel of the Lord, that's Jesus. Jesus appears to Joshua. It says there was a man. And uh, Joshua went out to meet him and said, are you for us or for our enemies? And he says, no, I have come to lead the armies of the Lord of hosts. And the Bible says that Joshua knelt down. He took off his shoes because it was holy ground. Mm. That's Jesus. Mm. That's Jesus. So he's all through the Old Testament as the Holy Spirit is as well through the Old Testament. Um, We find seven of the gifts of the Spirit manifested in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, uh, tongues and interpretation are added so they end up with nine. But all of the prophets... Um, moved with one of the, at least one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit through the Old Testament. And there's the working of miracles and there's a special faith. All of those are gifts of the Spirit. Uh, just an example would be um, Samson. Uh, the working of miracles, which is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, flowed through him. A lion attacked him. He tears the lion apart. Uh, He's bound with ropes. He breaks those ropes. It's the working of miracles. Somebody's doing something. Um, Daniel's put in a lion's den. And Daniel has the gift of special faith, a gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, Daniel didn't tear a lion apart, but he was protected. Now, if they had put Samson in the lion's den the next morning, they'd have been been having lion burgers for sale all through Babylon. All right? Now, both were gifts of the Holy Spirit working in the Old Testament, but they, they function differently in different people. It's different gifts. But the Holy Spirit is all through the Old Testament, as is Jesus and types of Jesus. The same yesterday, today, today, today and, and forever. forever. These things are so valuable. I really appreciate you bringing the, the Word of God into our current thinking and understanding how relevant the word is even today. Uh, This, like you just said, is the plumb line. Mm -hmm. And we can't walk by faith if we don't walk according to the word. And so thank you for for sharing your wisdom with us and your knowledge. And uh, we'll see you again next time. All right. Thank you, Al. And thank you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. And we're so excited for you. Pastor Duane wrote a book called Your New Life, and we'd love to send you a free copy. This book is full of steps to help you grow in your relationship with God. Also, if you contact us, Pastor Duane will pray for you by name for the next 30 days. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv or check out our app to have a copy mailed to you. Download it right there instantly or listen to the new audio version. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. There are so many ways to give during the holiday season, but if Walking by Faith has been a blessing to you, we'd like to give you an opportunity to give back and help us change lives with the truth of God's Word. To give back, check out the Give tab in our app 
or walkingbyfaith.tv. We'd love to connect with you. Here at Walking by Faith, we believe in the power of prayer. We have people standing by ready to pray with you. Scan the code on your screen to send us a prayer request or visit walkingbyfaith.tv to chat with someone today. If you have any questions, you can submit them on our app or email us at info at walkingbyfaith.tv. We'll see you again next time.